Okay, everybody, we are doing a bonus episode of the St. Mort Show as a little Halloween treat. Uh, Halloween has always been one of my favorite holidays, so I figured since I the last episode came out almost two weeks late, I would give you guys a little Halloween treat with a second episode with just one guest. That's why there's no theme song, there's no old-timey radio, it's just me and my guest for the hour, Miguel Rodriguez. Greetings, everybody. Now, Miguel, there's a reason that you're uh, my guest for this uh, particular episode, beyond the fact that you run a podcast called The Monster Island Resort. Um, you also do a film festival, which is this upcoming weekend. That's right. Uh, uh, out of sheer insanity, besides everything else I'm doing, I, 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 the little activity of putting on a, a, fo- a film festival seemed easy enough, right? So, <laughs> um, this coming weekend uh, is the second, actually, annual Horrible Imaginings Film Festival in San Diego, California. So, if you're in this little border town of mine, you can check out the uh, the only festival that's dedicated to macabre cinema and art. And actually, uh, part of it is an art gallery of dark macabre art, and that has been open since Thursday. Uh, they actually just opened... You're familiar with Meltdown Comics, right? Yeah. Uh, they actually opened up another portion of it that is now all like a, like a museum that changes its exhibit. And apparently, unbeknownst to me, there was an all-full-moon pictures exhibit about a week ago. Oh, man. That's kind of awesome, actually. And I'm kind of mad I didn't see it. I saw all these pictures of people hanging out with like all the Puppet Master dolls and stuff. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I have, <laughs> I have to uh, appreciate Full Moon. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, I'm actually one of the raffle giveaways I'm going to have at the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival are these beautiful 11 by 17 glossy photos of Blade from the Puppet Master series. Yeah, probably the uh, most famous puppet. Of course, he's yeah. one of the best. And uh, they're both autographed by Charles Band. So that that's going to be, that's a nice little addition to my collection of giveaways for, <laughs> for the film festival. Um, so I got to love Phil Moon, Full Moon and, and Charles Band. And, and um they were a staple for me when growing up with, you know, the Puppet Master series, of course, and, and subspecies and robot jocks <laughs> and trancers, all good stuff. See, for me, I find that when I was a kid, I loved all the full moon stuff. Like, that yeah. was that was my bread and butter. But as I got older, I actually started to have more of a connection with the trauma stuff over the full moon, especially in the later years you know, I'd rather watch Poultrygeist than Evil <laughs> than than Evil Bong Three. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and I, I probably I probably should stop talking before I I say anything that will upset anybody. But yeah, um, <clears throat> oddly enough, I got, I got into Troma before uh, Full Moon, um, and that was because of the Toxic Avenger. And I thought I remember seeing. Um, I got introduced to the Toxic Avenger. I, I was on vacation with my parents, and it was <laughs> yeah, it was around the time it came out, and um, I don't remember if it was the nightly news. There was some news show about the Toxic Avenger where they did a little things like, "Have you heard of this movie that came out called The Toxic Avenger?" And I remember being a kid and seeing it, and you know they were talking about the cheesy effects, and they showed a clip of. Uh, 
of Marvin turning into the Toxic Avenger at the beginning of the movie. And ever <laughs> since then, I was kind of obsessed with the Toxic Avenger. And then I discovered, like, Class of Newcomb High and Surf Nazis Must Die and some of the other things that, that Troma put out. Uh, so I, uh, it was a couple of years later that I discovered Full Moon. Yeah. I didn't get I I didn't get this on tape. This was after my interview with Lloyd. But as I was packing up all my equipment when uh, Lloyd was on my show a while ago, I actually told him how my first uh, experience with anything trauma was the Toxic Crusaders cartoon cartoon series. show. <laughs> and I was I was kind of a my my parents didn't keep a strong watch on me twenty four seven, and we used to go to my uncle's house all the time. My uncle was a huge horror movie buff. So they were all out in the pool, and I was kind of looking through his VHS tapes, and there was Toxie staring at me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that they made a movie based on the cartoon. Uh, yeah. So I just walked over to the VCR, and I popped it in. I was like five. <laughs> and, oh, my uh, God. And they yeah, ran over a kid's head. Yeah, that was around the point where I got scarred. I ran away screaming. I don't even think I... No, I got to the head-crushing scene. What did me in was the first appearance of the Toxic Avenger where he pokes a guy's eyeballs out with his fingers. Right, Just, I remember, yeah. Yeah, yep. I, I, I was done from there. And I actually, I was very late to getting into horror movies. I didn't watch horror films really until like fifth, sixth grade maybe. Scream, wow. Scream yeah. was the movie that got me into horror films. <laughs> oh, you're so small. <laughs> well, with, well, it's weird because Scream really kind of, Spoils yeah. most of those horror movies too. So. It does. Yeah, I mean, when Scream came out, it took for granted that you had already seen Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween or, of course, you know any of the any of the eighty slashers. Anyway, that's really what it goes after are the slasher films. So, but um, but it was. I mean that that was the movie that made me go. Oh, I like being scared. Like I like being scared, and this is fun. This is a lot of fun. And then uh, I got a my own little card to a mom and pops video store and it was just all all downhill from there that's when i started watching the puppet master and basket yeah. case and anything i could get my hands on and it was i mean i think that while there's respect for a well-made horror film i always end up re-watching the really bad ones instead <laughs> well you know when they're when they're fun especially the first that first I'll say half decade of full moon or first decade of full moon and the first few years of trauma, they were, they were having such sincere fun that it came through and, and you have fun watching those movies and that's why they have replay value, you know, regardless of whatever craft was used. And, and, and I think that's why I don't like the newer full moon films as much. I still think, I, that, they, I still think that they're fun. Like I like ginger dead man. Uh, they're unwatchable. But <laughs> they're horrible. But like I recently, I've been doing a thing on my blog where I do, I did the thirty-one movies of Halloween where I would just watch right. a different horror movie, and I rewatched uh, Dolls. That's and, yeah. And I was like, that's, the the stop motion in that film is incredible. It won't do stop. I mean, that's just it. It drives me crazy. It's like it's like they don't care anymore, and <laughs> they make a Puppet Master movie and. The extent of the effects is literally, you know, there. There's someone's holding the puppet and moving it around. There's no stop motion. There's no like care put into it at all. Well, what bothers me is that the mouths don't even move anymore. Yeah, like you no, know, no. like Blade used to actually have for how limited his facial features were, you could actually feel different emotions by the way that his face looked. Right. His mouth, right. his jaw would drop when he was excited. Like, mm -hmm. 
And, it, I, and the they, little knives would come out of his eyes. Yeah, they they got rid of all that, and it did kind of ruin the fun. I think that's I think the difference to me when it when it comes to the battle of trauma versus full moon, which I mean, they're all friends with each other. Right. You and I oh, both yeah. witnessed at Comic Con the the clashing of of worlds. When Charles Ben, Lloyd Kaufman, and Carrie O'Quinn were all hanging out together in the trauma booth. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. And you're just like, oh my god, it's my entire like hard childhood all <laughs> gathered. Yeah, that was awesome. But like, trauma still has a little bit more of the sincerity in what they're doing, I think. Where, you know, you talk to Lloyd and... I don't know. It feels like you said, like, the full moon ones are very kind of thrown together sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah. like, the trauma ones, you can tell, at least the ones that Lloyd directs. Like, he he spent a lot of time raising money for those movies, so he's going to make True. sure that you get everything that, that you want out of it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, when, when he goes out, he'll have fun um, in other people's movies, and he'll do a bunch of other crap. Just uh, I just saw... Oh, God. I actually didn't finish uh have you seen stripper land no <laughs> it is a ripoff of zombie land with rabid strippers instead of zombies <laughs> and is almost shot for shot and it steals a lot of its jokes from other movies and uh overall it's very bad but but uh lloyd kaufman is in it and you know it's so funny that he'll just kind of do these things well he'll do them free of charge if he can yeah um, i mean he was going to do a good time he was going to do my film that I never finished, Fluffy, and oh, the only, and the only requirement was just you know if you can get me a book signing or just wait until I'm in Philly like that. He's, right. As long as he's already got to be there anyway, he's not going to charge you for it. If he has to specifically travel out there just for the movie, then he might ask you to pay for the airfare and a hotel or yeah. something. But I mean, he does. He really does care about uh, young filmmakers, and I get kind of defensive about him when people refer to him in the negative yeah you can't really hate lloyd i mean come on it's lloyd kaufman he's hilarious well like and i've heard a few people say like oh man he rips off filmmakers like they don't make any money once the trauma puts out their film and it's like if you thought you were going to make money from trauma putting out your film then that's your problem like mm-hmm. there's a there's a really good quote in um i think it's the everything i ever need to know about filmmaking i learned from toxic avenger I remember that, yeah. Where uh, Trey Parker tells the story of trying to sell um, Cannibal the Musical, and Lloyd was the only one interested, and they weren't going to sell it to him because he wasn't going to give him any money. And uh, Lloyd said, did you make this movie to make money, or did you make it so people would actually see it? And it's like, that's really what it comes down to. He's giving young filmmakers a chance to have their films seen. Yeah, and a lot of times it won't get seen otherwise. Yeah, so it's like, I can't... And you look at all the careers that have started through him, it's like, yeah, he's not really ripping these people off. He's giving them a foot in the door. <laughs> Possibly, you know, provided they have the talent. Like, you know, not everybody's a James Gunn. Dude, James but... Gunn is... James Gunn might be one of the best track records I've seen in someone <laughs> that's come out of trauma. Yeah, oh, by, for sure. Because even, sure. like, the Scooby-Doo movies as as... Weird. I like those movies. I was going to say, they're very smart for what they are. <laughs> no, I, I like those movies, man. But like, I, Super was great. Slither is one of the most fun films of the decade. Yeah, Slither's awesome. And the, I, I don't know, he just, every film he's done has such a nice mix of humor and action and horror. Mm. 
Like, even the ones that aren't... Like, Super's not really a horror movie, but there is some horrific moments in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, that movie took a lot of people off guard. I mean, that's why you know, um, people didn't know what to expect and, and were a little bit shocked at what they got. Uh, the marketing for it was pretty bad, so... Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> now, people were expecting something more lighthearted. Now, when you... You were recently on an episode of Geekscape about a month, month and a half ago... Yep. Um, and at that time, you weren't really able to reveal everything that was happening at the convention just yet. Right. Um, now, I mean, it's a week away. Can you tell us what people coming down to San Diego can expect to see at Horrible Imaginings? Maybe not yeah. everything, but some of like the big ones. Well, uh, yeah, I can say a lot of things, actually. Well, first of all, um, the big mission behind it is to um, revive classic films as well as give exposure to new upcoming filmmakers. And this year has gone pretty international, actually. So uh, we have a lot of shorts um, and independents from overseas. Uh, I've got films from Brazil, films from Argentina, films from Spain, uh, a short from, ne- from the Netherlands, from Canada. Uh, and so it's all become almost like an international film festival in a way. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, both of the revivals are actually foreign films, uh, one of which being uh, the uh, Franju Leyu Sans Visage, or Eyes Without a Face, which is... Uh, did you ever see Eyes Without a Face? I love Eyes Without a Face. There you go, it's yeah. A it's a great movie. It's a great movie, so I can't wait to show that on the big screen. Um, and the other one is the uncut Japanese language original as Ishiro Honda intended Godzilla. Nice. Yeah. I know so, that, I know that God's from listening to your podcast, I know that Godzilla is very near and dear to you. Yes, very near <laughs> and dear. I mean Monster Island Resort, that, that <laughs> what more <laughs> guess for. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that one. And that was um, a long time and a lot of uh, uh, sweet talking to get that film. And <laughs> Uh, I, I want to just say, like, you know, props and big thank yous to uh, Rialto Pictures. Um, they're the uh, distribution company who uh, renewed the theatrical distribution rights for the U.S. for that because um, it's not easy to do. It's <laughs> not easy to do. Uh, it was origi- The first time it was ever released ever in America was 2004 when it was 50 years old already. Um, and so it's just, it's unbelievable how under wraps that, mo- that movie has been and <clears throat> keeping the license for it is very difficult. Toho, the Japanese company that owns it, um, they're, they don't let go of it very easily. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad they got the distribution rights. Otherwise I would not have been able to afford it in any way, shape or form. Well, that's exciting though. I mean... I have I have a shameful thing to admit, which is that the only Godzilla movie I've ever seen is the Matthew Broderick one. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm hanging up. <laughs> uh, I've been meaning to sit down and watch them because I've always been interested in Godzilla and just never got around to seeing any of them. Well, yeah, part of it is um, you know being exposed to those movies. I feel like part of it has to be you had to grow up in a time when they were being shown regularly on like Saturday matinees and things like that, when you were a kid and, uh, and they were enjoyable, usually they showed the really silly ones like Godzilla versus King Kong or Godzilla versus Megalon or something like that. Um, and, uh, the first original isn't 
like that. It can't really be lumped in with those later Showa films. So uh, it's a very different beast altogether. Uh, but a lot of people haven't been exposed to them because uh, because they're really they're not out there, you know. Well, and I always, I mean, like I was saying, I, I got exposed to horror films young is kind of not necessarily true. I got exposed to modern horror very right. young. Um, my grandfather, however, always showed me the old Universal films of Dracula and Wolfman, and for years, for years. Creature of the Black Lagoon was one of my favorite films. Right, well, one of my favorites as well. But, you know, somehow Godzilla just always got lost in the mix. I mean, I didn't even see the original King Kong until about six, seven years ago. When, yeah. And well, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it is. It is phenomenal. That that's a landmark film. It's, right there. it's easily the scene where King Kong fights a dinosaur is tied with the skeleton fight scene in Jason the Argonauts for some of the most impressive claymation work I've ever seen in my life. Well, yeah, and you know that that was done by Willis O'Brien, who was one of the mentors to Ray Harryhausen. So, um, pretty. It's the fact that it was it came out in the '30s. I think '33 is unthinkable what they were able to innovate basically they invented everything that went into the special effects for that movie well and i also just think if you look at claymation from before and even after that it looks clunkier than it does in in king kong the king kong claymation seamless yeah it, and it's it fl- it's very fluid the the, mo- the movement is is very lifelike yeah you could almost believe that that piece of clay is living and breathing Whereas, like, you watch some of the other ones with dinosaurs where there is a little bit of a jumpiness to it and a little bit of a, you know, missing frame here or there that kind of yeah. gives it a weird look. But, I mean, they, they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. Um, now, you know, it's Halloween. Yeah. I want to know what, what are, you know, what's on the Miguel screening list this Halloween? <laughs> Well, right now I'm so focused on on the film festival that it's very difficult for me to uh, to to see anything new um, other than the films that I'm putting out. I mean, I, I'm the only programmer. I'm well, I'm the only one who does anything for Horrible Imaginings. Uh, other than I have to give a shout out and a thank you to Selena Marinello who has helped me with the art gallery. She's become my co curator, so she's really. Uh, Almost, uh, she actually not almost. She is a partner in arms with the art gallery portion, and if uh, if I didn't have her, I'd be drowning a little bit right now. But um, but as far as the film portion goes, it really is all me, and I got many, many, many submissions, um, and wa- having to watch all of them was a very difficult task, <laughs> and then having to choose, you know, just twenty nine. I. I have uh, the two revival features, and there are two independent features on top of those, and then there are 29 shorts, animated, and music videos on top of that. So it, it's a full program, by far. Just trying and, to find those. What are the uh, two indie features? Okay, um, the one is one is from Toronto, Canada. I'm wondering if you've heard of it. It's called Long Pigs. I have not. You have not. Okay, uh, it's become kind of a a little bit of um it's gotten some buzz on the internet and that's how i i was able to come across it and it's a mockumentary which um at first kind of turned me away because uh personally i am leery of anything found footage uh 
but they they don't really do the found footage thing. It really is like a documentary and it's film documentary style, and they do a really good job. Um, and the documentary in question is uh, following around a cannibal to see, you know, how he gets his victims and how he prepares them for meals. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually really well made. And some of the effects work for being a film that was made for, you know, uh, 50 cents. Or <laughs> it was made for a ve- on a very, very low budget. Some of the effects work is outstanding. Um, um, have you seen, just out of curiosity, Behind the Mask? I have. Leslie. It's a very Leslie Vernon type film. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've seen Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, uh, look for something similar in Log Pigs. It's, a, it's the same kind of genre uh, and the same kind of uh, disturbing feeling you get from that film. Uh, is there a sense of humor to it or is it a little bit more oh, yes. bites dog well, where it's, it's a little bit um, more straightforward? It's a good balance of both. There's some sense of humor to it, indeed, um, but it's not quite as, I'm going to say, gut-wrenching as Man Bites Dog. Yeah, because I was going to say, when I saw Behind the Mask, as much as I liked it, I was like, this is actually just kind of a light-hearted Man Bites Dog. Yeah, in a way, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a little more, Long Pigs is a little more of a balance right. between the two. But, uh, but it, does have, it does have a sense of humor. It doesn't take itself too seriously. But I gotta say, the scene that sold me on it, the scene that, that make, made me want to show it is, there is a scene where they time-lapse the cannibal butchering a human body. Oh, wow. And it's, it's, it looks so real. It's, they did such a good job that I can't wait to, to see people's reactions to that. Well, I'm excited. I'm definitely going to have to track that down somehow. But. Yeah. And the other uh, feature, I wonder if you've seen, it's from... Um, it's from Richmond, Virginia, and it's called The Taint. I've heard about this one, and I don't yeah. know if it's because of you talking about it on your podcast, but I know I've heard of it before. This one, well, it's gotten a lot of internet notoriety. Uh, <laughs> well, with a um, title like The Taint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm actually, um, people have asked me because on the program, it's showing after Godzilla is on Friday night. Um, and people have asked me why, because they assume that means it's headlining. Uh, but as a matter of fact, that's not true. Godzilla is the headlining film, but um, the taint is actually, I'm making it a late night adults only kind of affair. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see where the question is in that. Like, obviously, Godzilla, anybody can watch. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the point there. Uh, the taint, it, um, I really love it. Um, it's all we all. On yeah, <laughs> on surface, it's a very offensive, very crude, very sloppy, and uh, very just um, trashy. I guess would be a good uh, word. It's so entertaining no. that I don't know what this movie is. So right oh, now, you're man. literally just describing you, a taint. <laughs> you like, exactly. If you like old trauma like Surf Nazis, Mai, that kind of. You'll really love the taint because it gets the feeling down pitch perfectly, and the soundtrack is very much like early '80s uh, synthesizer kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> the direct one of the direct it's co-directed by Drew Bolduke and Dan Nelson, and Drew did all the music for it uh, except for one song, and he did just a phenomenal job. You need to hear the soundtrack. It's it's totally '80s. 
Um, and even like the opening is, it, it feels like you're watching, you know, Combat Shock or one of those old movies. Uh, oh, Combat but, Shock is so fun. Yeah, that exactly. That is completely I, underrated in the Troma uh, library. I agree. I agree 100%. And, um, and you'll get that feeling watching the taint. Uh, and so uh, the, the taint, I decided to show the taint because I think it's, it's smarter than it seems on the surface. There's more cleverness than will first meet the eye when you see the taint. And I, I hope some people will get that. And I think at least it'll get um, some conversation going. Well, that's always good. Um, yeah. That the, the reason I will not be at Horrible Imaginings is that I will be hosting a panel at the Kamikaze Expo that exact same weekend. Right. Which is quite disappointing. But I do want to take a little bit of a time to advertise that particular panel. It, yeah, the Kamikaze panel, definitely. Uh, the Kamikaze panel is going to be called The St. Mort Show Live Gets Campy. Um, <laughs> and it will be a Q&A. Uh, anybody can come and ask a question. Uh, it will be in room 3 at 2 p.m. on Saturday. And the panel contains um, Felicia Rose from oh Sleepaway Camp. Oh, my God, Camp. yeah. I love her. She's the sweetest person ever. So I'm extremely excited about that. Um, Sybil Danning from Howling 2, Your Sister's right. a Werewolf. Uh, Leslie Anderson from, or, oh my god, uh, Leslie Andrews, uh, yeah. the guest two days ago from Sick Girl, which is still one of the most fucked up movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah. But it is not the most fucked up movie I've ever seen. That title goes to Neighbor, uh, director of <laughs> Neighbor, Robert Massantonio who was one of the first guests on the St. Moore Show, was flying out from Pennsylvania to be on this panel as well. Wow. So uh, the four of us, and then Rebecca McKendry, I think I'm pronouncing that right, from Fangora, will be there, and we're going to be talking about B-horror films. And uh, based on the fact that everybody on the panel is either a female slasher or wrote a female slasher film, we might talk a little bit about that too. Uh, so I'm kind of excited. I'm excited to see how that goes. I was uh, talking to Robert today. He was telling me about his plans for um, the ten-part series that is uh, Neighbor. <laughs> wow. Um, he he said when he originally created it, he wanted it to be completely played straight the entire time, but it's an homage to horror franchises. Right. So that... he, he's walking me through it. He's like, part three's got to be in 3D. <laughs> oh man! Just like uh, just like Friday the Thirteenth. Thirteenth. He's like uh, part four has nothing to do with the killer, <laughs> like, <laughs> and of course part ten is in outer space. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he said he's going to elaborate on that a little bit more at the panel. So I'll uh, we're going to try to get that recorded so I can put that out on the webs the next weekend. But um, I can't make any promises on that. But. <laughs> I, for one, know that this Halloween I will be re-watching Trick or Treat, which is... Great film. It is becoming the ideal Halloween film at this point. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think you know, horror fans appreciate it, but I still think it's pretty underrated. Well, did you hear that IFC is doing 24 hours of Trick or Treat this year? Yeah, I did hear that. That's huge. And I, th I it's going to be that movie. Christmas story, it. Yeah, I, and I you know what I hope it works out because it really is that movie still has not gotten nearly the level of credit that it deserves because it is 
probably, if not the best, at least in the top five best horror films of the last ten years. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's definitely one of the most enjoyable, and it it helped when I watched it. I remembered what made me love movies, uh, horror movies, especially um, when I first started watching them. Yeah, you just you get that vibe that the, so, the, like yeah, watching Fright Night or watching um, Monster Squad or watching Night of the Comet or something like that. Well, even beyond that, it's a better Creep Show three than Creep Show three is. Oh God! Well, you know, <laughs> lots of things are better Creep Show three. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently, I didn't know. I didn't know this until recently, but apparently, um, George Romero and Tom Savini and all those guys keep saying that Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, was what they intended to be, Creepshow 3. And then right. they just kind of changed the title to kind of cash in on Tales from the Dark Side's success. And I can see that, because it is... It feels more like a Creepshow movie, again, than Creepshow 3 did. I think so. But that's definitely on my to-watch list. Um, I also have a DVD of Mad Monster Party, so I'll probably pop that oh, yeah. library in. Every Halloween, you got to watch Mad Monster Party. Of course, the um, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown is, is another regular. Um, I'd like to watch the making of Thriller if I can. Oh, it's such a good making of. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> everyone had that. Everyone I knew had that VHS tape. Oh yeah, everybody. I I, uh, I drove my mother crazy because I'd make her get it out of the library like every day. I don't know why they don't. You know how much money they would make if they put that thing out on DVD? I don't know. I'd Nostal- buy it in a heartbeat. Yeah, nostalgic factor wise, so many people would pick that out. One of the greatest videos of all time. Easily, easily. The only videos I like more than like Thriller are the ones that had claymation in it, like Primus videos and Tool videos. Yeah, yeah, like uh, the sober video, of course, is phenomenal, and yeah, uh, sailing the seas of cheese. I remember that video from Primus was just fantastic. <laughs> uh, Primus, uh, like those were the bands that always had interesting videos because they actually cared. That back in the right. back in the mid '90s when a video meant something. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the band that is kind of trying to keep that alive is OK Go, and, uh, and they're doing a good job, but it's definitely. It's a little more hipster feeling, but 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 their videos. The I think there's the Rube's Goldberg one, which is really just astonishing. Well, see, here's the thing, though: the videos are better than the music. <laughs> I I really do love pretty much every video that OK Go has done, but I feel awkward comparing them to someone like Primus because there is a very big difference. Also, of like OK Go's thing is. Okay, no one cares about music videos, and we don't have a lot of money, so let's figure out the quickest and cheapest way to make these. Yeah. Whereas, like, Primus and Tool definitely represent that time period where, like, your album was about making a badass music video to promote that album, and when bands it was, yeah, really it was were, yeah, where they really just went out of their way, you know, when you had people like Spike Jones and Michelle Gundry when they were just music video directors trying to create something that you had never seen before on film. I'm going to have to bring up Peter Gabriel here. <laughs> the sledgehammer video? Yeah. Those videos are insanely intricate and pure artwork. I also like the early 90s hip-hop videos that were always, like, crazy fluorescent colors. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Me, Myself, and I by De La Soul. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. 
Like, it was just like, we can do things, in, or, or any of the Fresh Prince videos. Of course. I Nightmare wanted, on my street. I've never, apparently, there was a video shot for it, but I can't find it anywhere. For Nightmare on my street? Yeah. I'm not sure. Like, apparently, they had shot a video, and New Line Cinema shut them down on it. Oh, man. So. Well. Yeah, because that's the best, that's easily the best Fresh Prince song ever. Of course. Yeah, you can't really compare it. It's not fair. <laughs> I actually, I actually was a little annoyed because one of my favorite documentaries is uh, "Never Sleep Again." The, yeah. The f- oh God, so good. Yeah, it's four hours long, and they don't mention Nightmare on My Street once. Yeah, I think they're they want to. F- I don't know. That sucks. Yeah, but they do talk about Dream Warriors by Dokken, which is equally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> With a dream. Oh my god. <laughs> so, I think the only other Halloween movie I can think of where I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll pop this bad boy in is uh, Halloween 3, Season of the yeah, Witch. Yeah, Season of the Witch. I, I'm, I was very excited to see. I had written, uh, I do that weekly column for Geekscape Guilty Pleasures. Right. And this week's Guilty Pleasure, I did Season of the Witch. And I was extremely excited to see how many people came out of the woodworks and just Dude, said, that movie no, is it's awesome. It's really good. It's a really. I have good no movie. guilt about that whatsoever. It, that movie is fucking great, and and I'll always defend it. And I think you know anyone who complains just wants to see Mike Myers over and over and over again. And guess what? We did get to see Mike Myers over and over again. And guess what? Exactly. Shit you hasn't want. been good since part two. <laughs> There was one. There was one movie that decided to try and be interesting and actually do what Hollywood never does and try to do something against the formula. <laughs> and you shot it down and just asked for more vomiting out of Michael Myers over and over and over again. So quit bitching. You got what you wanted. Who is let us have our one Halloween three season of the witch? Who is without a doubt the most boring slasher in in horror history? There's, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give that to the scream guy. <laughs> the scream, you know what though? The scream guy at least has innovative the like the scream <laughs> movies at least have some sense of like changes in there here and there. Mike Myers Oh yeah, movies, no, I'm, I'm just I just hate his costume. Oh no, his costume. I mean, but his yeah. costume's at least realistic. If you're thinking about the realm in which scream takes place, like yeah, it would just be a costume that you could buy at any Halloween store. Right. So I like support that, but like Mike Myers, there's there's just there's no innovation in the way he kills people. It gets so boring. You've seen one Halloween movie, you've seen all of them, unless yeah, although, you saw I Season mean, of the Witch. I have Witch. to give it to the first one. Oh, the first um, one's great, but that's what I'm saying is like after two, everything. Yeah, yeah, everything. The only movie I I legitimately enjoyed after Part Two, besides Season of the Witch. Was H two O, right? They, oh man! <laughs> but like, you know, not resurrection. Oh, you mean where Buster Rhymes magically beats Jason in a boxing match? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Mike Myers. But yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, Mike Myers. Whatever. There. But uh, yeah, whatever. It's it's kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the first one was not about the kills. It was about the uh, it was about the stalking and the suspense, and that's what made it work. That's what made it work. Yeah, um, I mean, he was called the shape because you just you could see him in the background for a few seconds, and then he wouldn't be there anymore. Now, that was creepy. It was. It was very creepy. And actually, a movie that I just recently rewatched for the thirty-one movies of Halloween that you know gets a lot of negative, 
reviews, and I love it, is uh, The Strangers. Yeah. Which I think also did... I like it. I, I think that it is... That is more of a 70s throwback film than any of the Grindhouse attempts that have come out, because everything in that movie feels like it could have been done in 1970 because of the lack of soundtrack and because of the mm-hmm. way that the characters are dressed and the way the characters act. Uh, the guy with the bag... A little over- more like burnt offerings, kind of. Well, not really like not really like the uh, the grindhouse of the seventies, but more like the um, the just creep factor of the seventies. Yeah. Well, and I uh, what I wrote in my review was you know when when House of a Thousand Corpses came out, everyone was like, oh, this is Rob Zombie doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, blah blah. blah. The Strangers, I think, has more in relation to Texas Chainsaw Massacre than even House of a Thousand Corpses does. Yeah. It just has that that feeling of just this is awkward and I don't know what's going on and I don't know who these people are and they don't have, like, there's right. so much mystery there. And don't well, House of the Cows and Corpses is just so over the top. But I love it. I lo- oh, yeah, it's fun. It's, it's fun. I, my, the thing I always say about it is that I know that it's his worst movie. Like, I know... Oh, not his worst movie. I didn't see Halloween, Halloween 2. is his worst movie. I didn't see that. <laughs> Halloween is his second worst movie. <laughs> the House of a Thousand Corpses is is actually his second best movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like my thing is, even though it's not his best movie, it's the one that I watch more than any of them because it is just such a fun, crazy film. Right. Whereas like House of or uh, Devil's Rejects, where it is his best film, it's you got to focus on it. It's it's not something you can just kind of pop on and enjoy. Like you do have to pay attention because yeah, there it's is a pretty serious. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's some serious stuff going on in that. But, like, House of a Thousand Corpses is just a blast. And I don't think that it's an accident that most of the main characters are comedians. Right. <laughs> like, I don't think so either. That movie was intended to be fun, and people were looking for something too serious. Did you see his cartoon that he did, though? Because I love that. Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's another one that's just fun. Like, you just pop yeah. it on, throw it on at a party. Even if you don't yeah. have the sound on, people are going to enjoy it. <laughs> it definitely it, it's definitely one like that. It, it's a good party movie. <laughs> um, now, what are some films since we were talking about Trick or Treat and, and The Strangers? Mm-hmm. What are some horror films that you've seen that you think over like we'll we'll say in the two thousands? Anything released in the two thousands that you really don't think got the appropriate amount of credit that it should have gotten? Um, I like. Um Triangle. Have you seen Triangle? No. Uh, it, Triangle is is better than you think it would be. It's kind of like this uh, warp in space time. <laughs> like uh, it's hard for me to describe what it is, but basically, a uh, a woman is on a yacht around the Bermuda Triangle and keeps re-experiencing this. Oh gosh, I haven't seen it in lo- in just enough time that I can't really explain it very well, but uh, it's really, really good. Um, it sounds like it has the potential to be really trippy and weird. It's definitely trippy and weird. It's... And I haven't heard enough um, about it. I don't I don't hear enough people talking about it. I think it deserves more attention than it's gotten. I've never even heard of it until just now, so... Yeah, I'm like trying. To... It's on Netflix. You should check it out. Um... There is uh oh gosh, what else? Sharktopus. <laughs> Not Sharktopus, although <laughs> sure. You know what? Yeah, I have to say, like those asylum movies, 
I can't help but but watch them every now and then. Have you seen the? Did you see the six minutes of zombie apocalypse that Sci-Fi released? I uh, I did not. I did not. Zombie. Although, uh, I got two words for you, sir. Zombie tiger. Wow. You know. <laughs> you know. I from what I can, from what I gather that one of the driving pe- uh, forces behind the asylum is Chris Olin Ray. And are you familiar with those last names, Olin Ray? I slightly. Why? Why do I know believe this? he is the son of Fred Olin Ray, who is uh, kind of a pioneer in ultra B, well Z grade schlock, <laughs> and uh, and has been for decades. And and I love Fred Olin Ray, and just just the fact that Chris Olin Ray is in any way attached to those movies makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say that one of the ones that I think, um, it, and it's starting to get talked about again. Because the director has a new movie out, but May by uh, Lucky McKee. Yeah, that's that is probably one of my favorites of of the last decade. It's it's phenomenal. And I keep hearing that the woman is just as I scarring and incredible. I can't wait to see that. I I still haven't seen it. It's kind of bumming me out that I haven't. But um, Lucky McKee, he's a great director. He's I'm in talks with him to do an episode of Saint Moore Show. Oh, that's. I would love to pick his, because May just, I remember watching that movie not knowing what to expect and found that the pacing throughout that film is so perfect. Yeah. And it, it is one of the few movies where you really, truly sympathize with that, with the serial killer. Well, and Angela Bettis, and yeah, Angela Bettis is fantastic. And so it's a mix, it's got a great script. Uh, McKee did a good job directing it, and her her performance is, is so good that you can't help but, but love it. Yeah. Uh, what's another one that you got? Um, oh gosh, after May, it's going to be hard to top it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Ginger Snaps. Oh, Ginger Snaps. Uh, the whole trilogy is great with Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Snaps, Ginger Snaps is... Uh, I love werewolf films, but they're easy to fuck up, and they're hard to do right. And, uh, and so, because part of the reason is it's difficult. It's difficult to have... Um, just special effects wise to, to have a werewolf film when you have no money and th- what they were able to do was although you know there isn't some Rick Baker-esque huge great transformation scene um, they, they just they supplemented it with a really good story and um, you know Catherine Isabella does such a great job in that role um, well, it's so good good to see it and the thing is the the hardest thing with werewolf movies is you remember a really good transformation just as much as you remember a really bad transformation scene. Well, yeah, you know. But I, I my favorite transformation scene isn't what everyone else like most people their favorite transformation scene is either the howling or American Werewolf in London. Uh-huh. But mine is actually in Monster Squad. When he transforms yeah. inside the telephone in booth. In the telephone booth, yep. It's such a simple transformation sequence. Well, yeah, because you just go by the pole, right? Or it goes by the corner yeah. of and the telephone booth, and he's transformed as it goes by. And he he, he screams into the phone, he's going to get your son or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that scene is so incredible. I lo- yeah. like That movie's incredible, but that scene, that, that was like... That was the scene that made me love werewolves as a kid, where I was just like, this is awesome. It is a great scene. It is a really great scene. 
And it's a really classic looking werewolf too. You gotta love it. Yeah, and I gotta I gotta agree with you on Ginger Snaps big time. Uh, Monster Squad also always made me want to see a remake of Creature from the Black Lagoon using the that uh, creature. Yeah, using Stan Winston's creature design. Yeah, it's so good. And it gets so little screen time in that movie. Yeah, it's too bad, really. It's it's not even it's. You know what? Like the creature from the Black Lagoon was designed as like this, you know, he- like this middle man in evolution type thing. But I like right. that in Monster Squad, it was almost like this humanoid of if you had mutated a piranha with a human being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it almost looks more like the creatures from Humanoids from the Deep than it does the creature does. from the Black Lagoon. That that's a good. It's kind of a mix between Black Lagoon and and the Humanoids from the Deep creatures. Uh, there's that scene, of course, in, in Monster Squad where it finds Frankenstein's monster out of the lagoon by, you know, lifting the box up. <laughs> that that scene's really great. And, of course, he is responsible for the name is Norris. So Horace, much, Horace, come on now. Oh, Horace, goddamn. <laughs> he also steals the kid's Twinkie. He does. <laughs> All the, every Twinkie. monster, there wasn't a single... Like creation in Monster Squad that wasn't an incredible design. Well, yeah, because they had to not infringe on copyright. Yeah. The mummy design so is my favorite design of any of the mu- like. It's you know, it's not anything different than the, your typical mummy, but there's something about how skinny and how fragile it looks that makes yeah. it creepier. And of course, you know the way they defeat it is great. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to really take out a mummy. <laughs> yeah. That or, that or Brendan Fraser. Ooh. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I've got one, two more. Two more okay. films that I can think of. Do you have any more? Uh, probably. Give me one of yours and I'll come, I'll come back with another. I'm going to say pretty much anything that Adam Green has made. Really? Uh, Hatchet, Hatchet 2, Frozen, sure. and Spiral I found all incredibly well made. And I think he's one of the most talented directors that we have because he's able to do so many different genres of horror without falling into doing the same thing over and over again. Um, And you can just tell that he's someone who really does come from a a genuine love of the genre. That is definitely true. And, And I think that's like... Hatchet is a better Friday the 13th movie than probably the last four sequels of Friday the 13th. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> um, not saying a whole lot. <laughs> Frozen really, like, I'm already not a fan of ski lifts because I don't like heights, but, like, Frozen is a good Hitchcockian piece of I terror. didn't like it. Oh, you didn't? I Nope. I, I would I, If it was a 15-minute short, it would have been spectacular. I, I can agree with that. I can definitely back that up. I, I, I hated the characters. I hated the dialogue. I I hated the first thirty minutes where everything was just setting up the situation, and I think that Adam Green's a better producer than he is a director. Uh, the best thing I've seen come from him is Grace. I have not seen Grace. Grace is really good, um, and Frozen. The situation's great, and a lot of it is very scary, um, but but it's just so long. Did you see and- Spiral? Yeah, I like Spiral. I like Spiral I, that's a lot. That's my favorite of his. Yeah. I, I think Spiral and the first Hatchet movie I kind of put side by side because they're so different that it's kind Hatchet's of hard fun. to compare. I can't, really, I can't really bitch about Hatchet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> when Hatchet you, is... 
the the second you see him tear someone's head off like a Pez dispenser, (laughs) and the time like oh the Hatchet has had easily has the most innovative death scenes Mm -hmm. in in the last decade. I I can say that much of all the all the horror movies this year. Hatchet's the one that gave me a bunch of shit that I never seen before. Yeah, and Hatchet Two had a whole lot of them. (laughs) Hatchet Two was fun because it was just like. He, he was so open about, like, yeah, no, this movie's just us trying to go for the world record of most kills in a horror film. Yeah, <laughs> and that's one thing I can appreciate about Adam Green is, is there's no pretensions there. No. Uh, Here it is. <laughs> it is what it is. That's why I liked it. I, I felt like Frozen didn't quite... I, but Frozen not, felt it, a little more pretentious to me, and, and I, I just I couldn't stand the characters. And well, let's, let's put it this way, though. Was Frozen bad to the point that you won't see the next Adam Green movie that comes out? No, of course not. Exactly. Of course. I, <laughs> I think yeah, and and I'm only I'm only giving Frozen a little more crap because um, it has been hyped up. It, people like it, and I can see why they like it. Uh, and I think, I think it was hyped up to the point where I couldn't like it. You see, know what I mean? I think the reason why I like Adam Green is because Adam Green could have very easily become another Eli Roth. Hmm. Like Eli Roth's Cabin they're Fever often, is so good, but yeah. that's the thing. Cabin Fever was such a good movie, and I was like, "Yes, this is what I want Eli Roth to make." And then he made Hostel, and I was like, oh, "This isn't what I I want to see from Eli Roth." And then he made Hostel Two, and then he started producing a bunch of movies that were just kind of like the complete opposite of what I want to see Eli Roth doing. And the only other time that I've seen Eli Roth do something where I said, yes, this is him back on the track that he should be on, was the Thanksgiving trailer during Grindhouse. Yeah, that's a fun trailer. Where, Gotta love it. Where it's like, he's clearly he does he did grow up with the type of horror that old school horror fans grew up on. But he keeps doing these like torture porn films and producing these torture porn films, which aren't that good. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's a shame, but that's as a producer, I guess that's where the money is. I get it. the only good thing that came out of like Saul was I really liked uh, Dead Silence that came out after. You Saul. know what? I like Dead Silence. <laughs> I like it too. I and uh, I'll be uh, <coughs> honest here. I liked um, in, uh, Insidious as well. I did not see it yet. It's all my yeah. Netflix I mean, too. it's not great. It's not wonderful, but it's fun, and uh, I like it as a ghost story. There are some things about it that are unfortunate, <laughs> but you know, it has it has the the, uh, the the trope of the medium who explains everything that's going on. You know, she'll come on. She's introduced, and suddenly she knows everything, and and I really despise that. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I really like that movie. Um, and I liked Dead Silence. I thought it was a nice ghost story and, and really fun. And it, was um, well, and I, it was very well paced. Mm-hmm. It no, was, I like James Wan. I do. And, yeah. and I like the first Saw, too, actually. I did. To be not. honest. I, I didn't. I don't like any of the Saw movies, really. And it's not even yeah. a squeamish factor. It's, it's, a, it's a level of you're trying to portray believability, and so much of this is unbelievable. Yeah, and not even and not even the elements of like the way that the kills are done. I can look past that, but you show me this frail old man dying of cancer and you're telling me that he's been able to carry these bodies to places and set up all these contraptions. And it's just like, you know what, you're losing me on this. 
Like, yeah. I, I'm not. But that's the part that I find harder to buy than anything else that happens in the Soul movies. Uh, I just, I just think they've gotten tedious. That, that's my big problem with it. Uh, uh, that's the biggest for me. One of the biggest crimes that, especially a horror movie, can be is, is boring. And, and they've gotten tedious for me. See, I think uh, that I agree with that. I completely agree with your statement, but I also found the first Saul boring. Okay. Uh, the review that I had actually written was because everyone was like, "Oh, when I I saw it maybe a year after it had come out." Um, so by then everyone had already seen it and been saying, "Like, yeah. oh, it's so good, it's so good." There you go. So every, you got the hype, the yeah. hype going. Yeah. Well, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, the ending is going to blow your mind." And uh, oh, I remember. Well, no, I never thought that. But. And I remember when I got, I saw the movie, and it was just a, I had just like Facebook had just kind of blown up, and uh, one of my first Facebook statuses ever was, "Well, I watched Saw, and you're right, and the ending did catch me by surprise. Too bad I'd given up on the movie about an hour before that twist came. Yeah, <laughs> like I just got so tired of that movie. I was like, I don't care." Who the killer is, I just want him to kill these two main characters and get this movie over <laughs> with. Um, we got time for one more from each one of us of uh, okay. something from this year, uh, of the last decade. All right, I'm going to go with an indie. All right. Because I'm going to plug this one. Uh, it just got picked up by IFC. All right. So uh, It's called Dead Hooker in a Trunk. Nice. Have I, you heard this? Have, have you had, you've had these girls on your podcast, correct? I have a few times, as a matter of I've fact. I've been looking for this movie, so it's finally going to be available. <laughs> it is. It's coming very soon. It's coming very soon. So uh, be on the lookout for it. I, I actually premiered it in San Diego last year at the first Horrible Imaginings. Um, and uh, and th- it, while it has kind of the... It's a very sloppy movie in a lot of ways, disorganized. It's also kind of meant to be. And it is just from beginning to end, a lot of fun. And the characters are a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, for being such a low budget, such a very vastly independent movie, they do some really cool things. Well, I'm pretty excited. I remember hearing you describe it, and the movie that kept popping up in my head, and I guess it was because of two factors. A, the title of the movie... And B, uh, you kept talking about just the level of gore that they were able to pull off. Because I keep thinking of a movie like Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah, you could, that, that's an apt apt comparison, I suppose. Uh, my movie is actually uh, another one of the 31 movies of Halloween that I watched this year. And it's kind of a, a smaller, direct-to-DVD film um, from Rolf Feed, who is not really known for, for quality horror. <laughs> yeah. But they did a movie called Sublime. Huh. And this movie fucked me up. And wow. I, I say that in the sense that it takes... I don't get scared at movies. I, I jump at the loud noises every once in a while or, or things like that. Like, I, I fall for a jump scare like most people do, even right. if they're not willing to admit it. Uh, you know, you jump at loud noises, it happens. Yeah. But it's been a while since a movie psychologically got in my head with something that is so believable and so realistic. And um, I, I compare this movie, I, I call this movie Jaws for Hospitals. <laughs> oh man, that and sounds the, great. The concept of the movie is a character goes in for his yearly colonoscopy and they switch the chart by mistake and give him 
the wrong surgery and it actually knocks him into a coma and he turns into a vegetable and this is all in the first 10 minutes and the whole film is him trapped inside of his own dreams and being haunted by every fear of his life in this dream world that he can't escape I compare it to something like Johnny Got His Gun right it's Mm -hmm. not it's not a 5 star movie it's barely even a 4 star movie it's maybe a a 3.5 at most but the uh, the emotional level, the emotional effect that it has on you, where you just sit there and you go, this shit happens all the time. Like, not to this extent, but charts get mix- mixed up in hospitals so easily. And, oh my god, this could happen to me. Like, you just start really getting in your head of, like, what would I do in this situation? Like, what can I do? And it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Movie only came out, I think it was 2007, 2008. And uh, I've very rarely met anybody who's heard of it, which is a shame. But that is a shame. But I, well, I recommend you know, that to everyone. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. That sounds really interesting to me. You know, that's what that's what the best horror movies do is they they play to fears and and that is definitely a fear. Uh, hospitals in general are a big fear for a lot of people, and and I have heard that being a fear of this like what if they switch the chart or what if i get a doctor who doesn't know what he's doing or what if this what if that uh and so (laughs) that sounds like it it could be a really effective one all right well we're hitting the hour mark so uh uh, let me take a second okay uh from the saint mort show as well as uh monster island resort we both would like to wish you a happy halloween um Feel free, if you're in Los Angeles, on November 5th and 6th to come by Kamikaze Expo and check out my panel. And if you're in San Diego, check out Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. Uh, Is there a website where people can find more information about that? Yeah, and it's a brand new website I'm very proud of. It's www.hifilmfest.com. www.hifilmfest.com where they can get all the information about Horrible Imaginings. All right, and the Kamikaze information is at kamikazeexpo.com. Uh, thank you for coming by. Uh, if you wanted to know about the 31 movies of Halloween, my blog is saintmort.blogspot.com, and you can read all 31 reviews up there. Uh, thank you, guys. I'll be back in a couple weeks. Thank you so much, Matt. No problem, Miguel. Or St. Mort. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs>